Hello, girls and galettes, and welcome back to the Gospel of Ghost, the podcast that aims to bring the lore and narrative of ghosts to the forefront of their music. As always, my name is Niall, and today I'm joined by two very special returning guests from the very last episode of the last season. It's Andrew and Carrie. How's it going, guys? Hey, it's going pretty good. Thanks for having us again. No problem. It, as you? always, it is, it is nice to hear from you now. How have you guys been since the last time we spoke? Oh, you know, hanging in. I think it was earlier this year we spoke. Not much has changed. I think for us, we're still working, still trying to navigate COVID. Very anxiously awaiting to hear from Ghost and and (laughs) see what's in store. I've heard a lot of rumors. We maybe have an album coming out in the fall. So I think we're patiently patiently trying to just wait and see what happens here. Yeah, no, I completely, completely understand that. We have the Metallica cover song coming out very soon, I think. Um, They they have, they've covered Enter Sandman, I think it was, on the Metallica Black cover album that they're releasing for like, I think it's the 30th anniversary of that album. That's right. Uh, Ghost covered covered it as well as uh, a couple, like last week, I think it was, uh, Weezer put out a cover of Enter Sandman and the video, the video for it is very, very creepy and goes very much in line with what Metallica was going for. And they, they certainly uh, earned my respect with that as a uh, staunch supporter of throughout the years oh i didn't i didn't know that weezer released a video i thought they only released a, a song yep there's a video attached to it i can send it to you or you can look it up on youtube whatever the case may be but it's it's well worth the four and a half minutes that it uh, takes up so i would suggest it that's cool um i hope i hope the ghost release a video that would be pretty sweet finally give us a a, a semi-official look at papa four anyway because i know he was on that tv show in, in sweden with the helicopter the helicopters um yeah. and that's like the first look we've had on them but it would be nice to get like a, a studio shoot if you know what i mean yeah that that the the helicopters one was a nice look but it doesn't feel like the official papa four vibe it's not even mm-hmm. like like his color scheme so it was a nice peek but i don't think that's really indicative of what he's going to look like i mean i really hope he keeps the jacket i love the jacket i, I would <laughs> that that fuck you jacket yeah. is is golden yeah i love that i love the jacket i'm like I, I don't know maybe maybe they're going it like into the disco territory with their new album like um like the foo fighters did maybe maybe disco's coming back maybe that's oh god the, maybe that's the route is taken <laughs> i don't think i'm ready for that but okay <laughs> i'm i'm done for a ghost disco album <laughs> <laughs> maybe not as maybe not as the as the next official album, but like a like a, a separate album. I would be done for that. Like a little EP or something. That'd be yeah. all right. That'd be amazing. The satanic fan of the disco. I just really want to hear them cover that song now. The very famous Panic of the Disco song that for some reasons Niam is completely escaping me right now. I write sins, not tragedies. And that would be very fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So today we're here to talk about uh, Meliora and specifically the very final song on the Meliora album. Before we get into the lyrics, etc., um, can I just ask your guys' thoughts on the album as a whole? Where do you guys rate it? And also Deos as a, as a, as a closing song. What do, what do you guys think of it? Yeah, I'd love to speak on that. So Meliora is my favorite album of all of them and I've, I've actually said multiple times that deus in absentia would be my favorite song if cerise were not on this album mm. i love this song i don't know what it is about it that has grabbed me from the first time i i heard it which was very you know quite a bit after i got into ghosts and started listening to them because it's kind of a hidden gem on this album you know mm. it's not one they really played a lot live to my knowledge you know so it's it's a wonderful album and I think with the storyline that you've been building and we've all been talking about over these three seasons I think this is like the the pinnacle of that you know that this is where it all comes to a head mm. um, and really looking at this album with that story in mind makes it all the more like I, I don't want I don't know how I want to say it that it's just more enjoyable or deeper than you thought it was um, <laughs> and with Meliora meaning you know 
something better in, in Latin, you know, like this was everything Ghost was hoping to achieve at the time. And and I think having Deus end what starts out as an album feeling kind of revelrous and mm. celebratory, because look at everything we've created and what we've tried to build and then ending in this like very melancholy kind of like droning, you know, chorus that sounds like it's crying out for help was just such a good way to end mm. this entire storyline. So I, I love this album. I love this song in particular. Fantastic. What about you, Andrew? I really, 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 really love this album and especially this this song in particular as a close to the album because it fits so well with the close of Infestissimum, Monsters Clock, which also, um, bum, bah, this happened to be the last song that we did. It's kind of the, <laughs> at least in my opinion, it's kind of like the inverse of monstrance so it flows really well it fits in with you know our feelings about the band and what we've done here and it 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 really knocks it out of the park and i'm i'm happy that uh, they were able to do it because as carrie said it is very bleak it is very you know kind of downtrodden but it it works and it fits in only the way that goes can make it work awesome yeah fantastic with that said should we jump into the uh into the song then yeah let's do it awesome so i forgot this last time the last episode i'm going to do a recap because as as carrie andrew rightfully stated this is the end of our story so this is where everything's coming to a head so let's just go and revisit the where this season has brought us so god has been usurped from his throne by satan through the combined efforts of the antichrist papa and his followers the clergy are now the official religion of the new society with Papa being properly appointed into his anti-Pope status. Using their new power, the clergy and Papa sent out inquisitors into the world to hunt down and either kill or turn any Christians into Satanists, sort of a form of religious genocide. However, that wasn't completely successful as there remained a small but dedicated group of Christians still worshipping God and trying to convince their fellow man to come back to, quote-unquote, the right path. Following some hard times, in majesty, the population as a whole started to realize the mistake they had made as they were being mistreated mistreated under Satan and Papa's rule. This led to an uprising by the population in absolution, backed by the remaining Christians that successfully deposed Papa and by proxy, Satan. Humanity at this point in time and this point in our story is on its own. So with that said, let's get into the first lyrics. In this, your time of need... You're turning to the light. You had just begun to explore the dark in the urban night. Carrie, why don't you start us off with this, if you don't mind? Yeah, I'd love to. So, I mean, I think the route we were taking, looking at the lyrics and the song, is it it sounds like a conversation between two people or one person kind of being an aggressor towards another person. So you kind of have the narrator in the song who's saying these words, right, mm-hmm. at somebody else that they're um, in some way trying to interrogate or antagonize for trying to leave. So I think given the story that we have up to this point being that the people have overthrown Papa, they are setting up what is to come now. You know, I think this can be seen as either a very small group coming at Papa or one person who's kind of captured him and cornered him now Mm. to say, you know, given everything else that's gone on and and people may be trying to have turned to God for help, you know, if you look at it as as Papa trying to reach out to Satan now to save him from the people who've overthrown everything and are coming for him, Mm. now this is his time of need. He's trying to find the light of his world, right, which is Satan, and you can say the Morning Star, Lucifer, all those things. So he's going to his source of light and goodness in the world and meaning in the world, and there is nobody there 
anymore for him, much like up until this point, there was no God for everybody else in this society. Once God was overthrown by the Antichrist, now the one last thing, the source that they had left is also gone. So Papa's left to face what is ahead in the dark. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Some some very interesting um, points there that you've mentioned do do kind of support my argument, but also go against it. So I, I will be interested to see what I've got to say in a second um, and what you'll react to that more importantly. But Andrew, have you got anything on the, on this first? Before getting into that, I'll get I'll get back to the lyrics itself. But as as a whole, I believe it should be said that, you know, the, the Latin meaning of this is obviously God is absent. Mm. And that I think is the overall like concept of Meliora. And it kind of follows in a timeline, right? Like Opus is about creating the Antichrist and Festissimum is about the Antichrist being on Earth. And then here we are in Meliora. And that is mostly dealing with the more humanistic side of what it means for, you know, God to be gone, the Antichrist to be in charge and how we sort through all that. Now, going back to the lyrics, it all, it all comes full steam ahead, folks. Just stick with us. It'll be okay. <laughs> so in, in the lyrics, you know, in your time of need, that can refer to a lot of different things. Metaphorically speaking, you know, in your time of need, i.e., you know, your greatest time of desperation, whether that be in a bout of depression, whether you're on your deathbed or, you know, being interrogated by you know, uh, satanic inquisitors, that's the most difficult time and the time you see the most where people turn to religion for some sort of comfort. But uh, as our dear Ramsey Bolton has said, uh, this ain't going to have a happy ending, (laughs) of course. But, you know, you're crying out for God, but uh, he's not there. And now you have to deal with the consequences of the choices you've made. Yeah, no, very, very well put. I think that combined, your arguments sort of Andrew is is bringing up a lot of good points of of the state of the general of the state of the general story that's happening, God being gone, and humanity is going to be regretting its mistakes. But I do like also that Kara, you've thought about the perspective of of where you think the lyrics are coming from and and what's happening in that particular location and instance. Um, so I want to tell you what I think, and we can discuss that. So you mentioned Kari that. You think that this takes place from the perspective of someone speaking to Papa, is that correct? Yes, yep. Okay, I actually think this song is Papa's final perspective. I will explain this as we go along, but I think this, as as we said off air, I think this takes place at Papa's execution. So in the last one, he was caught, and this is his sort of public execution, maybe even the night before, or him walking out onto the onto the gallows, as it were. And this is him sort of lashing out, I suppose, if you know what I mean. Like, he's lashing out because mm-hmm. he's being beaten. He's been lashing out because he's angry. He's been lashing out because he's about to die. So this is him examining the population and telling them what's really going on in his mind. So the verse begins with Papa giving us some context on what is happening at this point in the story. His clergy and Satan have been overthrown and in the population's time of need and leadership, or need of leadership, sorry, they have turned back towards the light of God for guidance. That was with air quotes, by the way. However, (laughs) as miserable as the rule under Satan may have been, Papa shows his first moment of sadness so it is anger mixed with mixed with regret, maybe, and sadness, as he seems to truly believe that Satan was the way forward for the world, with the lines, you had just begun to explore the dark, hinting that there was still an avenue of Satanism in his mind that the world at large did not get to experience. Is he the one in the end that had been tricked by Satan in the first place into setting the story in motion? 
it, from my opinion, the song is from Papa's perspective as he's um, walking towards his gallows and beginning to regret and get angry and go through those stages of, of grief that, that you would go through normally when you lose a loved one or, or whatever. But in this instance, that he's about to lose his life. What would you, what would you take from that? Would you, would you agree with that? Could you, could you, could you see that being a good point of view? I mean, 100%, honestly. Yeah. Like hearing, hearing you say that, and then I'm kind of looking at my notes and at the next lyrics, like, I think that makes the most sense that this is Papa. And mm. it's kind of, yeah, it's it's him being dragged out to, to the last moment. And I think the rest of the song is him helping everybody understand that even if they kill him and if this is the end, then they can't undo what's been done, mm. right? That they're all going to burn together whether they kill him or not. There is no going back regardless of what happens in this these next few moments. But I think that makes perfect sense that you know this is this is papa talking to to the crowd that's assembled who's who's going to kill him to say this is the this is the reality of 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 the world and you made these decisions with me and you were there for the rise and you're here for the fall and this is it i think that's that's spot on everything that that you brought up niall and even even you carrie um this is all sounding very christ-like is it not so you're you're saying that papa's dying for our sins (laughs) well kind of Kind of in the inverse, not dying for our sins, but because of our sins, if that makes any kind of sense. Because like the, uh, you know, just the way we've been talking, you know, walking to the gallows and stuff. And in mm-hmm. the, I was doing some research last night. This kind of, to me at least, uh, sounds like uh, Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane that's depicted in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all mm-hmm. pretty much saying the same thing, but just kind of different perspectives. And, you know, basically it goes over that, you know, after the Last Supper, Christ and the disciples go to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ prays three times. And, you know, during that, he is so, like, wracked with, with fear and and doubt and shame about, you know, his impending crucifixion that, you know, he starts praying and, um, like, his sweat becomes, like, drops of blood and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. among, amongst all that, it's said that an angel comes down and, comforts him in the desert so all Mm. of this kind of has a parallel to that at least in my ear interesting interesting i suppose it could could define the differences of characteristics between what we would know as jesus in 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 the actual christian religion and and papa is that you know he he's got he's got this fear inside him but he's not choosing to pray and become introverted and and uh, reflect on it or anything like that he's choosing to lash out at the people around him instead so standing in defiance yeah it's a nice little inversion if you know what i mean yeah yeah. And I think that's fitting for Papa too, right? Because Papa's always been a very flamboyant out there character, especially Papa three in this album, mm-hmm. right? That to to not back down in shame or to to pretend like, you know, he's scared, even if maybe he is in these moments, but to be like, I'm I'm here, I'm out there and I'm not gonna be timid now that I'm mm-hmm. faced with the reality. So I think it's a fitting I think the the parallels are definitely there. And I think just the way Papa is is going about it is very Papa esque, you know, it fits his character up to this point. Mm, agreed okay i think that's all i have on those lines so shall we move on to the next ones yes the world is on fire and you are here to stay and burn with me our funeral pyre and we are here to revel forever more and then there's a more in in brackets andrew how about you <laughs> taking this one yeah uh so i i enjoyed this one um obviously the world is being destroyed and uh, all the traditional Christian culture is ending. There's no heaven for anyone. And everyone's just going to stay and burn together because there's no God to save 
anyone. And it kind of reminded me of if you have the vinyl, the album art for this song is depicting an old weathered man in his bed, like facing away from the window and Papa kind of talking at him. I'm presuming about the lyrics and outside the window, just in the background, you can see everything burning and in utter chaos. So Mm. that um, pretty much encompasses all that, at least to me. Which vinyl was this? Was that the standard issue one? It might have been the standard issue or it could have been the deluxe edition that had Popstar attached to it. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to need to look that up. I don't have the vinyl. Um, I have a Popstar CD somewhere around here, mm-hmm. but maybe it didn't have the full album artwork because they couldn't fit it on. I'm going to have to Google that and find it. Awesome. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? Yeah. I mean, I think if we're going to look at this with, you know, kind of Papa challenging everyone who's around him, you know, he's quite literally saying, look around, everything is on fire. The world is ending. And I think particularly the line, you are here to stay and burn with me is, is his affirmation to them that you cannot leave this. You cannot abandon me. This is your end too. In particular, you know, referencing a funeral pyre, you know, just it's used for, you know, funeral ceremonies to burn a body. And that may be what he's about to, how he's about to meet his end. They may be burning him alive. They may be beheading him. They may be hanging him. But I think, you know, the last line saying we are here to revel forevermore and picturing revelry, you know, kind of as people singing and dancing and carrying on is kind of contradictory in this sense, because I mean, everything is chaos everything is ending around them and this image of revelry at the end of dancing and singing while everything is ablaze um, and chaotic is counterintuitive but Mm. maybe that's how pop was viewing it in the last moments that you know he's gonna he's gonna have to celebrate this or embrace it in whatever way that he can yeah no that that yeah uh, that's a a very good (laughs) summation about how his character would feel at this point yeah I, I have down here that this this is a continuation of the uh, of the of the thought train that I had before that he was uh, he was lashing out etc. As you stated, Gary, the world is not literally on fire. I would say it is a metaphor for how the state of you know it's it's a metaphor for how the state of the world was at the at the beginning of our uh, at the very very beginning of our story at Opus Eponymous. You know, our story began with one man who truly believed that as it the world as it was under God was burning itself to the ground through their devotion, ignorance to the next negatives of the Christian church and their God. So in his mind, he's never stopped being right, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So he's seen that he's tried to change the world that was already dying. And basically, the population have said, no, we don't want that. We still want to just burn. So he's just letting them know that's exactly what they've done. He's accepted the fact that he has now been abandoned by God, by the destroyed clergy and by Satan himself and is stuck to witness what he believes will be the end of the world along with everyone else, with the world itself being the entire population's uh, funeral pyre, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had. I haven't got much more to add to that. So shall we move on? Yeah. You're so goddamn frail, feeling for a change. You just had to know all about the world, but you will never know. And then there's another line that says, because no one ever told you how, but I've got a little a little bit as to, I've said about that that I sort of separated. I'll start this one and we can you can sort of uh, take it from there. To me, this is Papa once again lashing out towards the population for being so weak-minded and immediately turning back to God due to their weakness once Satan's rule did not work out for them. You just had to know all about the world, but you will never know. It's such a good line as it paints Papa for exactly what he is and what he has been this entire story. A narcissist who truly believes he is above the entire population in knowing what the world truly looks like. And even if he's wrong in the way he went about changing it, the worst thing about it is he's kind of right at the moment. 
the population kind of suck <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, maybe it'll change, but at this very unique time, they are trying desperately just to go back to God as they were before, and it's not working. What What did you guys have about this line? Um, I mean, we were, I think, pretty much on the same vein that you were. Um, this is very much Papa calling out the subjects, whoever it is that he's speaking to, to say that they're they're frail, they're weak, they're only human, to remind them that they're lesser than he is. I kind of view this line as very just kind of chastising and kind of like smarmy, like him just with an attitude, you know, just calling them out to say, here you are turning back from everything you said you wanted and from following me and from following Satan. And you're weak for that. You, you know, you, you have to embrace and just accept the world you find yourselves in because you asked for this and you help work towards it. So I think it's, it's him just kind of throwing it all back in their faces that this is, you know, once again, this is a reality that's upon them and that they can't back down just because they're they're afraid there's nothing else to turn to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Andrew? I'm curious. Um, this first line, uh, you're so goddamn frail. Is this the first time that Ghost has actually sworn in any of their songs? Do you, do you count God damn as a curse? I, I mean, it depends on who you ask, I guess. And it goes in line with the, the story, to be sure, but... Yeah, um, yeah. In that case, um, yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly not the first instance of blasphemy, but it's um, no, it's certainly what one of the first ones that we would consider as a as a curse word, I suppose, or a curse using the name of God. Yeah, and then you know the the third line, um, you just had to know all about the word. I can just see Papa with like his hand on his hip and like just shaking his head a whole like <laughs> you just had to know. <laughs> like, okay. Sassy Papa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you if you know anything about Papa Three, yes. That's true. That's true. That's very. He, he was the sassiest of the papas, and I would say probably my favorite. <laughs> though that's a controversial pick, to be honest. It's a controversial mm, opinion because no. people love Papa Two. I would agree. Too. People love Papa Two, but I, I suppose it's it's like um it's like Doctor Who in a way, a television show. I'm I'm sure uh, you've at least heard of it. There, yeah. Uh, they regenerate the actors every time he quote unquote. But he, he he dies, but he regenerates it to somebody else. So I, I think a lot of people sort of identify with the one that they end up watching first, if you know what I mean. And for me, that was Papa mm-hmm. 3, because I got into Ghost during the Meliora ages. So I think that's why. He'll always hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> Naturally. So yeah, the uh, the next line, because no one ever told you how. I have that uh, this statement is one final blast towards God and how he had laid or how he had lied to the population of the state of their world before Satan came along, in Papa's mind anyway. Do you guys have anything in particular for that line? Because I feel like it's different enough that it's separated because there is a bit more mm-hmm. of a pause, but there isn't a substantial amount to go along with it. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it's it's Papa kind of calling out to all of them and, and just saying, you know, no one's told you the truth until now. Mm. That the the truth of the world has been hidden to you and you thought you had it in following God, but you've never been told the truth about what the world really is. And I, I think you can argue even for our story up to this point, some of this has been a little sugarcoated, you know, you know, mm. here's Satan and he's, he's going to bring all this glory to the world and it's going to be better than God. And then they're still left in the end with nothing and nobody, Yeah, you know, and that might, maybe that's the truth of the world itself, you know, that there, there is nobody out there to save you. And maybe it's a bigger commentary on, you know, people needing to save themselves and not needing or requiring these higher powers. But I, I think it's a direct call out that 
nobody has told them the truth of the world until maybe this moment. Mm. And now they have to try to grapple with a lot of information all at once. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, they I think I think the a lot of the Meliora story is about convincing people, not necessarily within the society that we're discussing in this fictional universe, but even even in our in our world is sort of telling people the message of you need to be able to take care of yourself and not rely on other people to do it for you. Obviously, have friends, have people who help you, but don't put all of your faith into one individual or one organization because that just leads to ruin eventually. Yeah, you know? well, no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Biting political, I'm, I'm not getting down that track. I'm not going on that trail, I'm afraid. We're not going to do it. Okay. No, but you, you do have a very good point. Um <laughs> I know what I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, those red wearing or red hat wearing people in the distance. Um, never mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not listening. It's fine. <laughs> uh, true. Right. Uh, so the, the next few lines is just the chorus again. Um, the world is on fire, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we move on to the next sort of new lines, which is Deus, Deus. All of your imaginations are now running down your face. And that's repeated twice. I'd be interested to know what you guys thought of this line, because it took me a long time to figure it out. Carrie, what was your take on all of your imaginations are now running down your face? So what I'm picturing is, again, we have Papa talking to an individual or a group of people. And I think the realization of what is happening has hit them. So the imaginations, all of these glorious ideas in their head of what could have or should have been. Mm. They're realizing that's never going to be and they're they're crying. It's literally every emotion, everything that they have thought and that realization has just kind of shattered them and broken them to the point they're the those thoughts and feelings are just running down their face in streams of tears. That it's, it's the hopes, it's the dreams, and this is reality. And I think this is where that kind of moment where it just kind of it sinks in that there is no turning back and there is no one to save them and they're devastated by that realization. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, I uh yeah. Um yeah, that was pretty much exactly what I got to. Um like literally okay. almost word for word to be honest. Um not not word for word, but like literally I said in my opinion the line all of your imaginations are running all of your imaginations are running down your face means all of the dreams and aspirations once held by the population and caused them to turn from God in the first place have been turned into the fears and regrets and are now streaming down the face of the population in unison in tears knowing what they've done. So it was pretty much the exact same idea. <laughs> I promised I didn't cheat off your homework. <laughs> <laughs> um Andrew <laughs> did you come up with anything um, with anything different for that? Or was it along the same vein? It was along the same vein, and it kind of dovetails nicely off a point that you uh, mentioned a couple episodes ago. I don't remember which one specifically, but this idea of, you know, what would you do if God in this sense, but not only in your faith, but whatever you make God in your life, you know, whether it's money, work, what have you, mm-hmm. is just all of a sudden gone with no alternative and that realization like harry said just immediately hits you Mm. and all that fear anger doubt frustration just all hits you at once what else can you do but just curl up in a ball and cry and just like it's one of the realest human emotions and you know reactions to pretty much any such of a perilous situation so it Mm. speaks it speaks truly to you know what we were saying in the previous uh, verse of the more humanistic side of how to deal with everything that's happening. Mm. 
Yeah, no, very, very astute. I'm glad you remembered the um, the comment I made because we never really expanded on it in the episode itself. Um, uh, we sort of we mentioned it obviously and talked a little bit about it, but we brushed past it pretty pretty quickly. Um, I'm I'm glad you remembered that line because I thought it was I thought it was one of the um I think I think I think it was one of the better one of the grander arguments that you can take from this podcast and discuss among friends without sounding crazy. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Well, admittedly, <laughs> admittedly, I was a little heated uh, when I heard it the first time because. Is like shit. You stole, my, you stole my thought. <laughs> my bad. No, it came around. It's fine. <laughs> but fa- fantastic, um, fantastic work, guys. Um, with with not much else to say on that, I'm I'm very happy to move on. So we're now answering what the final full verse before before the end, because obviously the the next bit that we're going to discuss is is basically one word repeated over and over again. So this verse is, oh, are you oh. Why did I put this emphasis? Oh, are you looking good? That <laughs> just took it in a whole different direction, but okay. <laughs> oh, you are looking good, bareback in disgrace, and you're doing fine, worshipping your Lord, standing in his grace. I'd be interested to know uh, your guys' takes on this. So, Andrew, why don't you take it from, from, for this one first? Well, first of all, boys and girls, don't just Google the word bareback in hopes of finding something <laughs> meaningful you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> or a good time, depending on what you're... <laughs> I mean, whatever your thing is, I'm not here to judge, but, you know. This is, this is, anyway, a, this oh is a king-shaming free zone. Thank you very much. Exactly. Do, you do you, homie. Any, anyway, so obviously, to go along with the context of the band, Bareback in Disgrace is obviously a kind of a sexual reference. If you want to go there, let's just get out of the way now. Clappity clap, fresco, there we are. Anyway, uh, but also in the more... In the more uh, proper sense, uh, bareback was, you know, just an unsaddled horse. And to me, like in this reference, uh, mankind was used as like a workforce to be the destruction of the church. And now they are finding themselves disgraced because of it, not only in the world, but just on their own person. Mm, very interesting. I did not go down the horse route at all. I don't know what that shows about my mind, but it's entirely sexual. Um, <laughs> what about you? What about you, Carrie? What did you have for this? Uh, so I looked at it. If you kind of tail off the last few lines, right? So if, if the person or the people that Pop was talking to are still sitting there crying and kind of emotionally broken in front of him, he's taunting them. Mm. Again, I'm picturing Papa being very viciously just kind of mean towards whoever it is that he's speaking to. So I, I think, you know, oh, you look good crying, you know, look at you now. And I, th- I took bareback in disgrace as just feeling kind of raw and exposed in their emotion um, yeah. that it's just kind of all laid out in that moment. And, and I think the last couple lines, you know, the rest of this verse are him just continuing to taunt them, you know, oh, you were doing fine, you know, worshiping this Lord of yours. And, you know, you were in his graces before, you know, I think it's him kind of calling them out on the fact that they turned from that God to start with. And they chose this path. And this path is also ending poorly. And as they're trying to turn back to worship that God, again, that God is no longer there for them. And there is no grace left to have. There is no salvation left in this because they have 
gone down this route, guns blazing, <laughs> thinking it was going to be the better choice. And then they're once again being met with the reality of that decision. Very, very interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with both of your points. You could look at this as Papa insulting them and, and combining your points, insulting them and referencing them as the, as the as you said, Andrew, the, the sort of barebacked workhorses that, that helped him, you know, succeed in his goals of destroying, uh, destroying God and, and the church, etc. That was, you know, very well researched, but you could also see it from Carrie's point of view as well. So yeah, both of them fantastic fantastically thought out arguments. I'll read off what I have verbatim and you can sort of see where my opinion sort of it falls in between the two, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. verbatim, these few lines here are the final few lines of our dear Papa before he meets his maker, or rather lack of one, though they've both abandoned the population. Papa is here observing the crowd that has presumably turned out to witness his execution for his for the crimes he's committed. He's again mocking the population by comparing their boys of worship to a sexual position, noting they are bareback in disgrace. So if you really Really want to think about it you know if they're really groveling towards god they're on their knees and their heads are down so take that what you will but <laughs> despite all this they're still just doing it for their own good and putting up the appearance of having reformed instead of actually believing in god once again so it sounds to me <laughs> like you know and you're doing fine worshiping your lord he knows that they're not fully there anymore like he knows that they're not fully supportive of god they're not fully believing anymore it sounds very condescending from him if you know what I mean yeah yeah absolutely it was a mixture of both um, I, I believe yeah. but I think we can all agree it was um, some hurtful lines for Papa to go out on finally I agree yeah and with that said shall we move on to it's going to make me sad saying this the final couple of words discussed on this entire podcast mm -hmm. you, ever, you guys okay with that um if i have to be yeah let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the final words on this podcast i'm not going to do all 14 deuses by the way <laughs> so um, <laughs> i was tempted to prolong it no <laughs> So the, the the tone of the song switch over switches over from Papa singing to uh, you know a choir in the background. I'm talking about the the actual song that we have in our reality. So it's not sung by any one singer. It's sung by a background choir. Deus, the word Deus, fourteen times, I believe. Hang on, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. <laughs> yeah, fourteen times, <laughs> and then Deus in absentia, in absentia, Deus in absentia. Or Deus in absentia. My accent's just weird. And that <laughs> is the end of the song. So, Carrie, why don't you why don't you tell us what you've got from this? Yeah, we keep talking about this being the end of all of this, and it's making me sad, um, which is fitting, <laughs> um, given these lines, because I think these lines are meant to, and they do kind of evoke this fearful, sad deep emotion that's kind of dark and desolate and hopeless because this chorus kind of outro you know is is seems like the population well whoever's left after all this is done i'm picturing just a group of people looking around at what's left of the world and just kind of in this longing kind of in, in agony calling out for god or calling out for any source of direction or source of hope and they're not finding it so they're calling out Deus 14 times and realizing they're not getting a response back. Mm. And then the Deus in absentia is them realizing God is absent, God is gone. And that part sinks in it. Then it's just kind of like a lament. It's just like an agonizing cry out into the nothingness. 
I think it, these final lines are hard to are, are hard to discuss because they there isn't a lot of different takes you can you can you know take from it. There's not a lot of different opinions you can take from it because I have you know I have the similar I have very similar notes if not the exact same notes because it is for once a very final a very final solid point that we're ending the story on. Andrew, I'm assuming yeah. you you I'm assuming you have something similar if not the exact same. Uh, kind of similar, kind of dovetailing it off of what Carrie said, um, it actually fits, this ending fits rather well with our previous appearance on Monstrance because they are, the end of Monstrance is pretty much the exact opposite of the end of mm. the use here. In Monstrance, you know, the choir is very, you know, uh, enjoying revelry, you know, it sounds like a celebration and, you know, everybody is, it sounds like a worship song almost at the end. And now when we come to Deus at the at the very end, literal end of all things, it's just kind of this more morose, kind of sorrowful, and just really almost repentant choir. And you can kind of feel that, like with the 14 deuses, they're like really, really loud and really, really like yelling and projecting their voice. And then when they don't get a response, you can kind of feel as the as the song ends, the chorus getting lower and just the air going out of them and they're just emotionally exhausted spiritually dead and just have nothing left and you know as we've kind of been hinting at you know deus and melior as a whole was something better but it ended in the absolute darkest way possible yeah Mm -hmm. i completely agree there isn't much to be added on these lines to be honest so for the final time i will read something verbatim and then we'll end the show for those who are unaware the words deus in absentia is roughly translated into english as in the absence of god the population are clearly the ones that are singing in this section ending our story on the most depressing note possible. Despite the fact the population are calling out for God repeatedly, he has abandoned them, and they're all on their own forevermore. And that is the end of the story. Hmm. (laughs) Talk about a diner ending. Yeah, right? I have a lot of feelings right now. Indeed, yeah, no. With the end of that episode, with the end of that song, comes the end of our story and the end of uh, the end of the show and the end of the Gospel of Ghosts. So I will say, Andrew and Carrie, thank you very much for joining me and, and coming all along this ride with me. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Is there anything anything you guys want to say to the ghost fans out there who may need some emotional support? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I really. We really wanted just to thank you for for having this idea and creating this entire podcast. I mean, this has been such a, a, a wild ride to listen to it, you know, and to really participate in the community and in music that we all love so much. But then even to get to actually come here and be a part of this with you, not once, but twice. Thank you for having us. And thank you for creating this little community that we've found because uh, Andrew and I can attest there's really no one in our like real world lives that listen to this music the same way we do and appreciate it the same way that we do there's casual fans we know who know the music but not like this and not really diving into the story of and the lore of of ghosts so thank you for creating this space for all of us and bringing you know this little quirky community of ours together to really talk about what we enjoy and and i feel like i've learned a lot and gotten a lot out of listening to this podcast and this whole series um to just appreciate this music in a a whole new light so thank you wow um thank you very much for that honestly I'm, i'm genuinely genuinely touched right now um (laughs) (laughs) 
didn't think it would be this hard to end the show. Again, thank you very, thank you guys very much for for joining and, and supporting me um, throughout this and throughout the journey and, and and just enjoying the show for what it was. And I hope you know, like Carrie has said, I hope that I've I hope that I've managed to bring some some joy to an otherwise shitty time of basically everyone's lives. <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> I will say goodbye to Andrew and Carrie now. So again, thank you very much for joining the show and uh, to all my listeners out there who's been supporting me and listening along. I well, I'll see you again someday. Like Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> yeah, like Frosty the Snowman. I'll be about someday, guys. Thank you very much for everything. And um, one final time, heal Satan. <laughs>